Amen, amen. Thank you, Miss Lynn. Thank you, praise team, choir, all them folks. Thank you, media team back there in the back who, who are just so very good at what they do. At this time, we're dismissing our children's church and all that good stuff. Got a, a nursery slam full of babies. That's always a good problem to have unless you're up for nursery rotation. We're so thankful you're here. Let me ask you a question. What happens when what happens when you don't get what you expected that you would get? You ever bought something and as you're getting at you, maybe there's some, some excitement there. Uh, you bought something, you purchased something. Maybe it was the latest and greatest technology. Maybe it was something of that nature. Maybe it was a meal that you went to go partake of. And you, you, you paid great money for it and it shows up and it's not what you were expecting. Last night, Katie and I had a rare date night, thanks to one of our gracious students who came and babysat our son. Um, and those are rare moments that we get out together alone, so we were taking full advantage of it, dinner and a movie-type afternoon. We went to one of our favorite restaurants in the city of Birmingham. It's a restaurant that we frequented often um, when we were dating and engaged, but we haven't been there in uh, probably 10 years or so, and we walked in, and it looked a little different, but that's okay. Things update. We understand that. We sat down, and the menu had changed drastically from, from what I remember, but now I've lived in three states, and, and, and I have slept a couple of times since then, so maybe I'm just a little delusional, so I get what I always get. It's the old go-to. You know what I'm talking about? The old number one that you always get because you know it's the best thing on the menu. And, and when they brought it to me, I looked at my wife and she could just see disgust written across my face. The, the whole restaurant had found out they've changed ownerships. They, it just, when I bit into it, it wasn't the homemade taste I was looking for. It was, and I, Katie's had me on a diet now for three weeks and I wanted, I wanted carbs and I wanted a bunch of them. And I ate about four bites of this and couldn't even make myself finish what I had. What do you do when, when you don't get what you want? Well, in, in that scenario, that's easy. I, I, we got up, I, we paid the bill, left, and, and she went and bought me a cake, and that satisfied. <laughs> but what happens when you're praying for something and God goes a different way? What happens when, when you are seeking the Lord and he does something that you we're ready for what happens when the sovereignty of God takes God well past your desire and your will what is our reaction when God goes a different way than what we want you see there's a line of, of bad theology out there called this name it and claim it theology and it's the, the principle behind this doctrine and it's sweeping this American Christianity thing that we have and it says if you want something bad enough then you just own it and God's going to give it to you well, the only problem with that is, is it's not scriptural. God's got a plan and God's got a will and he's after his will and his plan and, and he wants us to be consecrated to his plans and his will above having our own agenda. So what happens when, when, when God displays his sovereignty and it's not like we thought? Jonah chapter 4, if you will turn there and when you find your place in God's holy perfect word, if you will stand for the, the reverent reading of God's word, we're going to read the whole chapter. It's not very long, so if you're able, if you'll stand with us. Jonah chapter 4, starting in verse 1, the word says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry, and he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, it is not what I said when I was yet in my country. That is why I made haste to flee to 
to Tarshish, for I knew that you were a gracious God. You're, you're merciful, you're slow to anger, you're abounding in steadfast love and, and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O oh Lord, please take my life for me, for it's better for me to die than live. And the Lord said, do you do well and be angry? Jonah went out of the city and he sat east of the city and he made a booth for himself there and he, he sat in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. The Lord appointed a plant and it made it come up over Jonah that it should be shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm to attack the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah in verse 9, do you do well and be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, your pity for the plant which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came up into being in a night and perished in a night. And I should not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and, and also much cattle. Father, we pray over your word that you would use it today to penetrate our very soul. God, thank you today for allowing us to gather. Use this text to bring us closer to Jesus. It's his, in his name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You may have a seat. So what happens when God does something different than what we've been looking for? We've been on a journey together through the book of Jonah. We started out looking at... We, we, we started out looking at Jonah running from the call of the Lord to go to Nineveh, that great city, and, and he jumps on the boat. And you remember the story, the, the boat gets to rocking, the mariners cast Jonah overboard. After they come to faith and repentance, um, they cast him over, and, and now he's in the ocean. The, the, the fish eats him. He, he spends some time in the belly of the fish, and then the fish regurgitates Jonah back on dry land. Jonah gets up. Now he's going to be faithful. The greatest verse in all of the book is, is in, in in chapter 2, verse 1, where it says, And the word came to Jonah a second time. God displayed his grace. Aren't you glad when, when we sin, God doesn't throw us out? Aren't you glad that he comes to us again? Aren't you glad that the grace of the Lord is abounding today? And, and so he, he finds himself, he, he's now been regurgitated on dry land, and he's got a three-day journey into Nineveh. And he, he goes over to Nineveh, and he, he preaches the message of repentance. He tells that great city, he says, Repent, in 40 days, God's going to destroy this place and we see one of the greatest cultural repentance of all the bible we see it go all the way to the top the 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 king of, of Nineveh is now repentant he's in sackcloth and ash he's calling on the city to repent he's calling for the whole count the whole whole country to to turn their favor and attention back to the lord and yet we pick up on on Jonah chapter 4 we've got an image for you we pick up on, on Jonah chapter 4, and there he is. He's just sitting outside the city watching, hoping God destroys the city. He hopes God destroys the city. What I want us to kind of focus on this morning as we launch, this, there's a resounding truth in Scripture of God's sovereignty. He doesn't need us. We don't complete God. 
God doesn't gain anything from our relationship with him. He's not up there going, man, I wish I had three or four more believers. We could get this thing going. God has the power and the authority to do whatever, however, whenever. And yet he chooses to love us. He chooses to use us. He chooses to allow us in the ministry of reconciliation according to the New Testament. And so as we look today, what I want us to focus on, I, we're going to look at the three reactions Jonah has to God's sovereignty and try to guard our heart from going there. As we, we, begin, we begin to see Jonah begins to judge God's plans in this text. And as he starts, he, he, he goes to this place. He, he said, God, that's, that's why I didn't want to come. He says in, in, in verse 1, he says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He was angry and he prayed to the Lord. He said, oh, Lord, it's not this why I said I didn't want to come to this country. He said, I didn't want to leave my country. He said, this is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. Hey, Jonah's telling the Lord, he goes, he, he says, I knew that you were going to forgive him. I knew that you were going to allow that. He says, you're slow. He said, you're slow to get angry. He said, you're merciful. You're abounding in love. He said, I didn't want these people to repent. Jonah has a hatred for, for these Assyrians here. He doesn't want to see them repent before the Lord. He wants to see them destroyed. And, and yet he knew if he goes and he, he tells them to repent, he knew they were going to repent. He, he knew this. He said, I didn't even want want to come to this place and yet you brought me here and now he's angry because because God showed a, a great powerful repentance in front of him and now he's mad because it looks like these people are going to be spared he has anger in his heart and he begins to attack the Lord isn't it something that when we get mad at God we begin to lash out when we get angry with God and li listen God a lot of people say you shouldn't get mad at God God can handle it I've had moments in my life when I've walked through great trials and, and, and great hurts that I've displayed anger to the Lord. We don't serve a fragile God. We don't serve one that can be shaken. Our God's unmovable. He's unchangeable. He's mighty. He can handle our anger. He didn't hear Jonah's anger at him and say, oh, I've got to back down. He didn't hear Jonah's anger at him and say, oh, I've got to change my ways. He heard Jonah's anger. He heard what he had to say, and then he addresses him. He addresses him in, in 2 Peter 3, 9. says, the Lord is slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that you should perish, but that all should reach repentance. As, as Jonah feels with anger and begs the Lord to take his life, God shows him grace and mercy. As Jonah gets mad at the Lord and as Jonah deals with God's sovereignty and that anger wells up in him, God can handle that. He said, hey, God's slow to anger. He's slow to anger, and he's about repentance. So not also did he begin to attack God's plan, but Jonah allows the little things to escalate. Jonah allows the little things to escalate. He, he, builds, this, he builds this shack, this, this place, and he's sitting outside the city, waiting on God to destroy it. He, he's there kind of sitting out for the fireworks like we would on 4th of July. He's sitting there, and he's, he's getting ready. God's going to destroy this place. And, and I don't know, we don't know how long Jonah was set out there. We don't know how long he was out there waiting on the Lord. But what we do know, he, he's out there waiting, and he's, he's inside of his soul. He's saying, God, get him. God get him. He's not looking for God's grace. He's not looking for God to be able to show these people what repentance is. He's not looking for mercy. He says, God get him. And if we're not careful, our reaction for people that we don't agree with will be the same thing. 
When we see people of different cultures in different countries, our, our nat- natural sinful response is the same as Jonah's. When something wells up, when, when there's people acting sinful because they're pagans, we, we our first, God just destroy them. And yet God's about repentance. God's about salvation. God's about restoration. Jonah allows the little things to escalate. Jonah's sitting there and it's hot. He's right up next to the desert. It's hot. He's sitting there. And, and, and you ever notice when, when you get angry at God or when you get outside of God's will, how quickly things escalate? You ever notice when you become unfaithful to the Lord, how quickly things get under your skin? You ever notice how annoying church is when you get outside of God's will? Probably shouldn't tell you this story. My, one of my greatest mentors is here. Love this man to death. There was, there was a Sunday. I don't even know if you know this story. There was a Sunday, I was sitting in Sunday school with one of my really good friends who is now going on to be with the Lord. We were at, at Enon where Brother John was and, and uh, he looked at me as I was his fault. Sin's always somebody else's fault. He looked at me and he said, hey, the, the buddy of mine looked at me and said, hey, you know, we can run down to Jack's and we can be back for Brother John finish preaching. I was hungry. I said, let's go. We jumped in his truck, ran down to Warrior, Alabama, got a, got a biscuit to go, and we made it back all the way into, back into the church, and we could hear the point. You know when, we're, when preachers go to invitation, they've got some key words, and, and we knew he was getting ready, so we're like, woo, we done made it. So we're hanging out kind of in the bathroom, because if we open the doors, everybody's going to turn around and look. And so we're hanging out back there, and all of a sudden, one of the deacons walk in the bathroom, and we're sitting there holding a, a Jack's wrapper with a biscuit in the middle of it. He knows what we've done. And, and, and that experience, I, I just got mad about that. I, I wasn't mad at him. I was, I was mad at me. I was mad that I, and I was probably more mad at the fact that I got caught than the fact that I was sinful. And I, I began to just begrudge going to church because I thought that deacon was going to tell my parents and he sure enough did. And When we get outside of God's will, it, you'll, you'll begin to, boy, those little things get on your nerves. When you're not walking with the Lord, those little things that happen, in, oh, I, such and such didn't, didn't shake my hand, I ain't even going back up there. That, that preacher don't even wear a coat, I don't even like him. <laughs> we'll begin to let these things fester, let those splinters, and then, listen, blow it out of proportion. Here's Jonah, God is in front of him doing an incredible work an incredible movement, and he's hot. So God, so God brings up a plant in front of him. Now, now he's in the shade, and, and he's shaded, and, and now he's able to, to sit there, and, and, and he's enjoying maybe a little, a little comfort. It says God was concerned with his comfort. So, so God brought him this plant, but in the same fashion, God appointed a worm to eat the plant. The plant begins to wither and die. And something that Jonah had experienced only briefly, some, some comfort or joy that Jonah experienced only briefly, God took away. And yet we see him to the point again where he's calling for death. Jonah's so, so miserable. Jonah's so outside of, of, of where he wants to be doing. Hey, Lord, it would just be better for me to die. But notice what God says. Notice what God says. The second time God has, has said this, and the, and the Lord said to him, he said, do you do ang-, he said, be well to do angry. Do you do well to be angry for the plant, is what the Lord says in verse 9. 
Do you do well to be angry for the sake of the plant? Notice Jonah's response. Yes, I do well to be angry enough to die. I do angry enough, well enough to die. He's in a place he don't want to be because sometimes God will call you to go places you didn't want to go. Sometimes God's will will take you places. It'll, it, it may take you places of discomfort. It may take you places that aren't safe. And, but it's always worth it to be following the Lord. It's always worth it to be in God's will. It's always worth it. Though you may experience discomfort, though you may experience hard days, it's always worth it when you're in the center of God's will. And yet here we have Jonah. He's angry to the point he's ready to die. And notice God's response to this. He says, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. Should I not pity Nineveh? He's ready to die because of his, his situation. He's allowed his discomfort to change his behavior. He went from being faithful post the fish. He went from being faithful to now being a grumbler. He went from being faithful and following after the Lord to now being so miserable with his situation, he's calling out for the Lord. He allowed the trial or the situation to dictate his joy. And yet James chapter 1 tells us, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you meet trials of various kinds. He says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces a steadfastness, and let steadfast, steadfastness have full effect, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. And the third thing that Jonah did, he, he's, he's angry, he's lashed out at the Lord. He's allowed the little things to escalate. Jonah misses the work that God does. Jonah misses the work it, that God does. What would it be like if we saw uh, 120,000 people come to repentance? What would it look like if, if the, whole, the whole nation... The whole city of Nineveh, what would it look like if we were in a place and the whole city repented? Imagine if the city of Birmingham came to faith and repentance in Jesus Christ. We're talking a movement. We're talking a miracle of God. We're talking the grace of the Lord being displayed, the, the mercy of God being evident. We're talking restoration. We're talking full. I mean, they went on. Listen, the repentance that, that the Ninevites were doing, they, they, even, they even made the cattle go through repentance process. The cattle couldn't eat. They had them in, in sackcloth. Nothing was to eat or drink. And, and they, the king said, maybe this will work. Full repentance for the city. And here's Jonah, who should have been happy, who should have been pleased at the work of the Lord, and yet when he didn't get his way, he wanted to take the ball and go home. He missed the very thing that God was doing. He missed the work. He, he missed, and listen, if we're not careful, we do the same thing. We'll let our discomfort and, and, and our, our, our desires and our things, well, God could be doing a great work in front of us and we just poke that bottom, and, and not our church, but you know other churches that have struggled with this, that bottom lip gets poked out, that grumbling goes, them, them prayer chains get to firing up and, and that gossip chain gets to rolling pretty quick and, and we miss the very thing that God's doing in front of us. We miss the very thing that God is doing in front of us. God called an entire city to repent. The Assyrians had come into a relationship with the Lord, and yet we find Jonah miserable. Look at God's response to Jonah about these things. He tells him about the plant. He says, should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, 
in which there's more than 120,000 persons who doesn't know their right from their left and also much cattle. God said, if we win Nineveh to the Lord, think of the impact. 120 people who don't know what it means, who, 120,000 people who don't know the Lord, 120,000 people who, who are going to be, who are going to repent before the Lord and call upon the Lord, make the Lord Jehovah their God. 120,000 people, and, and he throws in much cattle. Well, that threw me too. I had to research what he meant by much cattle. Why did he throw that in? Because cattle can't get saved as much as if we love our pets. I don't, they don't have a soul. And, and so he, he's calling for the cat. He, he tells us that because this is a great city that's going to be introduced into much trade. And if we can win the city, as people come into the city to trade, they're going to hear about Jehovah God. If we can win our city, if we can win the city of Penson, when people come here to eat Mexican food or jacks, they can hear about the Lord. If we begin to win our culture, when people introduce themselves to our culture, they will hear about the great and mighty God that we serve. Three warnings to, for us to learn from the book of Jonah. Number one, God will work his will over our desires. God will work his will over our desires. Here we had a Hebrew that was mad because the Assyrians had come to repentance. And he wanted God to destroy the city, destroy that great city. But God's faithful to repentance. Secondly, if our affection is not on the Lord, we become miserable people. I don't know why you came to church today. Maybe it's Sunday and that's what you do. But if we let our attention and our affection come off of the Lord, it will surely make us miserable people. You know why the world's not happy? Because you're not searching for Jesus. If you're trying to keep up with the Joneses, you ain't got it. If you're trying to keep up with this, this American persona of happiness and this, you're only going to be happy when you're content in the Lord. If you're continuing to search for those things that will leave you thirsty, to search for those things that will leave you empty, you're always going to be there. We never put our hope, our faith, and our trust in anything outside the Lord Jesus. Because everything else will leave you wanting. Everything else will leave you wanting. The third thing is when we become complainers and grumblers, we become blind to what God's doing around us. I tell you every week it's a great time to be a member of this church. I don't tell you that because it's some slogan I'm trying to develop. I'm not telling you that because I think it's a cute thing to say at the end of the service. I'm telling you, we've seen, we've already this year surpassed the state average of baptisms this year. We're in January. Um, we, we beat the goal of baptisms last year by almost three times. We have folks joining our church. We have interest in our church. People are, are checking our information out. People are calling. They're asking. People want to know what we're about. It's an exciting time to be a member of this church. I truly believe that. It has nothing to do with me, I promise you. In fact, it's probably in spite of me. God's faithful and God has a plan. His plan may not be our greatest desire, but his plan is his plan. As believers in Christ, it's not our job to drive the ship. It's our job to be faithful to the Lord and go where he calls. That's our, purpose. That's our job, that's our plan, that's what we're gonna be, a bit, be about here. We have to be faithful to the Lord's will. 
today, as we've walked through this, and maybe you've seen yourself in Jonah. Because it, Jonah's not King David. Jonah's, Jonah's not some of these amazingly gifted people we find in the Bible that, that even though they may mess up, boy, they're just on fire. We see Jonah, and I find myself more in Jonah than I do anybody else in the Bible because I'm quick to lose my, my affection and attention to the Lord. I'm quick to get distracted by my circumstances and miss what God's doing in front of me. I'm quick to, to start looking around instead of looking up. And yet God's calling me to be faithful. Listen, I can't dictate the circumstances. I can't change God's will, but I can be faithful. Today, church, are you being faithful to what God's placed in front of you? Are you being faithful to God's will today? Are you right where he's called you to be? Or are you more like Jonah, who's easily tempted, who's easily focused on the circumstances? Because listen, we're, we're a church. Listen, you can look at your neighbor and you see imperfections. You can, you can look at your pastor and see imperfections. You can look at that. Listen, if, if you're looking for a reason to, to question, it's, he's standing right here. If you're looking for a reason to get mad, I'm right here. It won't take long and you can find fault. But when our purpose is the glorification of the Lord, when our purpose is following after Jesus with everything we've got, we'll be faithful to what God's placed in front of us. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, we thank you for this day. We pray, Father, that we would guard our hearts from becoming miserable with our circumstances, for becoming miserable with your will. You are a perfect Lord with a perfect plan. And so, Father, we pray by the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that our hearts, our minds, our attention, and our affection would be following faithfully after you. God, I pray so much that you would stir up in us a desire to be more dedicated, to be more faithful, to be more compassionate, to be more loving, to be more aware of your will, and to be more aware where you're moving so that we can be a part of that. Father, I pray over this, this faith family this morning that if there's somebody today struggling with your will, you've called them to do something, but they're being hesitant or they're being maybe judgmental to what you've called them, Father, that you would bring restoration and repentance. If there's someone in here today who says, hey, listen, I, I don't know that I can be faithful to the Lord because I don't, I don't belong to the Lord. They understand today that, that I'm not faithful in salvation, so I can't be faithful anywhere else. God, that you, you would allow your spirit to work in them. And if they need to be saved, if they'd come down, we praise you for the truth of Scripture that today can be the day of salvation. Father, whatever you call in this time, whatever you lead in this direction, Father, we just pray we'd be faithful to what you place here. In the name of Christ that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Will you stand with us and sing this morning?